This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge in 2022. And I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Okay, let's get into this. Now, last Sunday, we touched upon some critically important and uh, delicate issues on the show and unfortunately well we we ran out of time and as such to be fair i want to come back to our discussion specifically we were focusing on two pressing questions first one is something that i really can't prove or point to any scientific literature there have been a few books on the topic but nothing really definitive but I've had a long hunch for many years that, that those athletes who truly su- and succeed and are consistently dominant in sports are those who have two key components. One, they are blessed with superior God-given athletic ability. I mean, you have to have that. But just as important, these individuals are also blessed with a, a kind of an inner drive, an inner core, a, a personal overwhelming and compelling push to want to compete and to win. Now, is that a trait that's that's baked into their DNA? Something that they're born with? And if not, can this hypercritically important element be somehow taught or drilled into a young athlete? That's the first question for discussion this morning on the show. The second question, which is somewhat related to the first one, is... Are our young athletes today a little, for lack of a better word, a little softer than previous generations of athletes? That is, are we making it a bit too easy for them to to give up and to walk away from competitive sports when adversity kicks in? Now, I know these are two very broad and very, very difficult questions. I know that, and I'm sure you know that as well. But let's get into this a bit because as we start the new year, these are issues that we uh, we all have to confront at some point as sports parents or as coaches. Uh, and I do think it's it's good to sort of try and sort of elucidate exactly what these issues mean. Of course, you know the number, it's 877-337-6666. Okay. Our top athletes, and I'm talking about the very, very top names, are they born with some sort of inner drive that pushes them to compete. The very best of the best all have great talent. We know that. That's a given. But they also seem to be feel like they feel compelled and driven to win. And think of some of the biggest names in sports over the years. 
uh, when he thinks of, of, of guys and women who just want to win. Michael Jordan comes to mind, of course. Tom Brady, Gordy Howe, Wayne Gretzky, Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, Billy, Billie Jean King, Serena Williams. There are many others. And yes, they all have great superior physical talent. But they also had that desire to win all the time. They hated losing. And they felt compelled to always work at their game and their sport, their craft. They get better and better because they didn't want to have the experience of losing to somebody else. In fact, I, going back, I remember the, the NBA Hall of Famer Bob Pettit. He once wrote a book with the title The Drive Within Me about his own personal competitive nature. So, so what do you think? Does, does this kind of trait really exist or can it be developed? Now, I've got to tell you, personally, I'm not sure it can be developed to that hyper level. In other words, I, I think certainly kids can be, uh, you know, talked with it, talk about it, and they can be addressed as to, you know, they do have this gift uh, in terms of their physical skill. But I think it's real hard to get kids to understand about the, the desire uh, this all-consuming obsession to want to win and be competitive about it. I mean, I, I, I tend to think that it's somehow genetically related, that either you were born with this disability or you weren't. I mean, I, I, I just think that, um, and I realize there are lots and lots of examples every day in sports uh, where, where kids who have overcome very, very difficult odds to succeed. I mean, witness how many, just in the, in the past week, uh, with all the various uh, college football bowl games going on, uh, like that quarterback from Georgia, uh, the kid with the, the preppy name, Stetson Bennett IV. I mean, he was a walk-on at the University of Georgia. So obviously he felt compelled that he's, doggone it, he's going to go out there and he had a great high school career, but he's going to show the coaching staff at the University of Georgia just how good he is. And he did. Uh, but obviously they went out and they pummeled the University of Michigan this past week. Same with the quarterback at Purdue, a kid named Aiden O'Connell, with a big win over Tennessee. He was a walk-on at Purdue. So how can this be? What drives these, these young athletes to say, I don't want to stop. I want to get better. I want to show the rest of the world just how good I am. But I, I also think in terms of kids today and making, I mentioned the second point we want to cover today, are kids getting, are, are we giving them too many breaks or are we, are we giving them a sense of entitlement uh, when it comes to their sports or making it easier for them to leave sports? It, it's a complicated situation, but I do think there's something that ties these two issues together. 877-337-6666. Let's get into this because we have, as always, a limited amount of time to talk about these issues. And let's start our conversation this morning with, uh, with Jack Smith and the, the Hall of Fame coach out of Fairwan, New Jersey. Jack, good morning. I know you got some thoughts about all this. Jack, are you there? Nope. I guess we're having some technical issues here. But I... Okay, Jack, are you yep, there now? I'm here. Okay, go ahead, yep, Jack. Let, let's let's get your thoughts about all this because I know this is something that uh, you've given some great thought to. You know, like you said at the beginning, there's been some books written about it. I mean, I think there's one called Sport Gene that was written. Uh, a guy, I think the guy's name. Um, don't quote me on it, but David Epstein or Correct. Epstein, one of those. Um, you know, listen. There's there's an article that I read recently that's called Are You Born an Athlete or Are You Developed into an Athlete? And I'm a strong believer in that you do have athletic ability 
you know, based on your your family background, your parents, you know, when 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 coaches look for kids these days, when college coaches look for kids, they look for kids that come from, you know, good parents. Good stock, they call it. Yes. Um, you know, my wife was a college gymnast. I played college sports, football, and soccer. Um, you know, my sons were, it was inevitable that they were going to be athletes because of two crazy parents that, you know, kind of led them in that direction. So, you know, we are born with, everybody's born differently. Everybody has different genes. And there are different, you know, there are, there are genes that enable us to develop quicker that will will grasp more information. You know, when you talk about muscle memory, there's a thing called the 10,000 rule. Right. You must do something 10,000 times in order to master it. Well, these are true facts. These are scientific facts. But the point is, is that some of us are born with genes that develop, that, that allow us to develop and learn quicker. And, you know, I'm a strong believer in athletes are nurtured. Athletes are taught. You know, my two sons were both great athletes. You know, I mean, we've discussed that. And I'm, I'm watching my son, Zach, develop his young, his, his two-year-old, who already can throw a ball, who can already catch a ball with two hands, who can already step and kick a soccer ball at two years old. And he can, all, he can punt the football, I mean, actually drop it and hit it with his foot. You know, so he's being developed. Does he have genes that will allow him to develop earlier or quicker? Yes, probably. But if he doesn't, he's still going to get nurtured. He's still going to get taught what he needs to do. And, you know, it's a strong, I'm, I'm, I'm a strong believer that, you know, we develop our athletes. You're not born, you know, you, you, you are born with talent. And when you say that, you're born with talent because that's what you're taught early. And, you're, and, and it's something that you take in as a kid and you learn well, to love it because yeah. you're almost being forced to love it. So, well, let me, let me, let me uh, jump in here because you're, you know, uh, you're talking here about the genetic makeup. And we've, we all know and talk to, to college coaches or, or pro scouts, they always look a little longer at a kid who comes from a family or a history of, a, of with a, the, the previous uh, the generation had great athletic skill. I mean, there is a, sort of a general acceptance that uh, that the uh, the ability to play and to succeed at sports uh, somehow is uh, influenced by by a previous generation of, of great athletes. Okay, but the, you mentioned I mentioned the uh, the ten thousand hour rule, uh, which Anders yep. Ericsson at Florida State invented um, and was basically made more popular by Malcolm Gladwell. The 10,000-hour rule, the way I understand it, means to suggest for kids, let's say they start playing sports seriously when they're 8, uh, by the time they're 18, they put in 10,000 hours of hard work and, and real dedicated practice into that sport, they will reach a yep. level of proficiency. It makes no difference what sport it is, but they will reach a level of proficiency that makes them certainly a cut above the average player does not guarantee, and I think this is important, does not guarantee they're going to become a professional. It does not guarantee, nope. and this is where I'm getting at, uh, Jack, is that it does not guarantee these kids are going to have the will to want to compete, um, you know, to want to win all the time. And I think that's the, the, the focus uh, that I want to focus, you know, that, that's the key element I want to focus on a bit this morning. Uh, clear, certainly, you know, with Zach and, and his 
and his son, you know, yeah, he's going to have, uh, they're going to work like any sports parent to introduce sports to his little guy and, and, and try to teach him and have him get master skills. But that is no guarantee that that, that, that little guy is going to end up being, he may be a great natural athlete, but he may not really figure, like, I don't really want to, you know, compete all the time. Exactly. I'd do something else. So that's, you that's the, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so you that, can't, I don't think you can teach a kid to love something. They have to love it. And, you know, when we talk about also when you talk about playing with grit, you yes. know, that's all heart. I mean, grit is, you know, you just want to be there. There's nothing that can take you away from it. You know, I remember reading a quote, and I don't know what book it was in, but a lot of times, Rick, when I read these books, when I read your books, I took notes, I underlined, I, 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 I took quotes from you and things like that. But in one of those books about genetics, Yep. It said that there is no inborn, innate talent. You foster your own abilities through practice, okay? And, and I believe that, and I believe that w with a passion because one of the things that I, teach and I, that I teach and I've learned through being an educator in health and, and learning science is that, you know, that 10,000 rule also applies to repetition, repetition, repetition. So if I'm learning to swing a bat or throw a ball – and I do it with perfect mechanics, okay, over and over and over again, those muscles will learn that movement. Uh -huh. Now, one of the things that I've learned in science is that when we do something in slow motion perfectly, yep. okay, it picks up, you, that 10,000 rule might be cut down to 5,000 repetitions or 5,000 hours because what happens is, is that the muscles pick up more information in slow motion than they do in fast motion. That's why when you see a guy warming up in the, in the batter's box, he's taking slow motion swings. A golfer, he doesn't take his full swing on his warm-up swing. It's nice, fluent, good mechanics. Like Ozzie Smith once said, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So yeah. if, if I'm using those, that 10,000 rule, 10,000 swings, I better be doing it perfectly if I want to be perfect in my swing. So I believe that people, athletes are grown. Athletes are taught. Athletes are developed. You know, their genes will allow them maybe to develop earlier or quicker or pick up more information at a quicker pace. But I don't believe, you know, we're all born with talent based on who we grow up with. You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree thing. And I'm watching that with my son, Zach, and my grandson, Luke. And it's an amazing thing to watch, Rick. And you well, probably watch it with your own son and yeah. your own daughters. Jack, as always, I, I, I thank you for your thoughts. Uh, I, I appreciate this. Oh, a lot I of ground to cover. It. Let me take some other calls as well, but thank you as always. And, and just Thanks. before, you bet, Jack. Uh, you know, as you heard, I mean, Jack feels strongly, and he's obviously devoted his entire life as a coach to developing young athletes to reach their full potential. I certainly agree with that. We all know and expect that when kids begin to get attracted to sports and, and they're trying to learn and master skills, they do need real instruction, whether it comes from the coach, from the parent, whatever it might be. I get all that, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, and then the question is, how do you find these kids who become so passionate about their sport that they really do want to devote 10,000 hours in effect to, to uh, basically getting better and to compete and to master their skills. We see signs of this 
And you know what I'm talking about, kids you see on their own who go out uh, on a cold, blustery day to shoot baskets uh, just to improve their, their uh, free throws or their shooting skills. Um, kids who go out uh, you know, to work on other skills by themselves. Other kids may be doing something else, uh, maybe watching TV, playing, uh, playing video games. But these kids who really do want to get better are the ones who you notice are out pushing themselves uh, you know, to, to improve their, their ability to, to win. And that's what I'm questioning. That's what I'm trying to figure out. How do you, how do you get those kids you know, to do that? Because if it doesn't come from an innate sort of genetic inclination, how, as a parent, can you teach these kids to say, look, you have a skill, you're, you're gifted, you obviously have this ability, but you just, you just sort of coast on your own skill, you'll get to a level where you just aren't going to be, you just be like everybody else. You have to get to a level by competing, by working harder and developing your, your craft and understanding that if you want to win, you really got to bear down and make this happen. I mean, it's just not something that I think it can be pointed out to a kid. I guess it can be taught to a certain extent, but I'm not really quite sure if uh, all these great athletes that we, we look at and admire, like a Brady or a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James or whoever, I mean, yeah, they have great physical skill. We get that. But there's something else that pushes them to want to win and win all the time. And that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out today with your help. 877-337-6666. We're just getting into this, getting into a pretty good discussion. Let me take a time out. When I return, I'll take your calls. Stay with me. And we're debating the question this morning on the Sports Edge as to whether the top, top athletes, I'm talking about the really elite ones, are born with some sort of... I don't know, for lack of a better term, some sort of like genetic trait uh, to be super competitive. And along those lines, can you teach a young talented athlete to be, to be more motivated and to work harder at their sport? Now, I got to tell you, over the years, lots and lots of coaches and parents have come to me and have said, Rick, my, coach, my kid is a great, great athlete, but he or she just takes it all for granted. They don't really practice much on their own, doesn't, don't, don't seem to really care about this, this golden opportunity. So what can I say or do to get them to, to work harder at their sport? And I tell you, that's, I got to tell you, in my experience, that's, that's a real challenge. I mean, I, I just don't know if you can really explain, you can explain to the youngster that they have this, this God-given ability in a sport, but it's really hard sometimes to get them to understand that they have to work harder if they want to continue to get better and better, uh, if they don't really have that, again, that sort of innate drive. And I know parents try all the time to come up with incentives to lean on their kids a bit more, but in the end, Incentives are only short-term in, in terms of their impact. All right, we're taking your calls about this because it's an interesting topic. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's go to uh, let's go to Herman up in Stamford, Connecticut. Herman, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Yes, Happy New Year. You too. Uh, I have a different take on this. Uh, I love sports. My kid lettered in sports in three different sports at a D one school. Wow. What all I was concerned with is when the kid was in school, did she study? Was she develop proper habits? And was she self-directed? Uh-huh. And the proof of that came when her interest in sports lingered and she went into the culinary business and even other pursuits. 
And it's long, I'm not alarmed by the fact that there is a drop in, in sports participation because what you sometimes have covered in these shows is that at the other end, the people who are running it are not the greatest people in the world either. Mm-hmm. And as long as a child had some motivation to do something, be a writer or a poet or a photographer, I don't think we can complain. In my daughter's case, even though she lettered in three sports, her interest drifted, and now she owns seven restaurants with 100 people. So as long as the, the attitude and the motivation is there, I don't think sports in itself is, is that much of a, of, a, of a priority. There are other priorities that, that a youngster can pursue. They could become a poet, or they could become, you know, a, a photographer, right. or they could develop interest in science. And that, to me, is what's important to me, Rick, <laughs> yeah. is what is the kid's motivation, whether well, that's, it's sports or something else. I, uh, Herman, I couldn't agree with you more. And this, uh, this harkens back, and thank you for, for your, your call this morning. This harkens back to the whole idea, the original concept of student-athlete, that we wanted for you know kids to go on to to college to not only play sports but as Herman points out to find other uh, outlets opportunities uh, that they're interested in and and it, clearly it sounds like his daughter uh, has not only found uh, what interests her after her sports career was over but on to be great success if she owns a number of restaurants I mean clearly that was her drive that was what she wanted to do and that maybe her athletic background and her competitive uh, juices uh, you know helped lift her to become very very successful in the culinary business that's something you know very similar we're talking about here uh, yeah I mean we want to see our kids succeed at the end of the day we want our kids whether they stay in sports or they go to some other vocation, we want to see them be successful. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to Eastchester. Tim is standing by. Hey, Tim, good morning. You're on the fan. Coach, first and foremost, let me say Happy New Year to you and your staff. And as my second daughter is in her final year of high school, yep. I can't thank you for your highly informative and passionate voice that you've given me for the last eight years. I mean, your information is spot on and terrific, and it, 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 I can't say thank you enough for that. Well, thank, now, so, thank you, Tim. That's quite a that's quite a that's quite an endorsement. Thank you for that. Well, you're welcome, sir. Now, as far as today and the athlete, uh, Rick, when I was a kid, I graduated high school. I was five two and seventy eight pounds, and I thought I was going to be a major leaguer. I was going <laughs> to be I was going to be Freddie Patek. Yes, I, of course. I was going to be Felix Mian. You know, those were my sure. boys. But reality set in, and I get to, high, uh, get to college, Brooklyn College, and who walks in? Lee Mazzelli. <laughs> My God, he was Adonis. He was sculpted, and the first thing he does, he puts out a cigarette, and he says to the coach, all right, who's the guinea pig? And we had this Spanish cat who was super fast, and he said, Clemente, come on over here. And he set up a 40-yard dash. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, Mazzelli blew this kid out of the water. It wasn't even close. <laughs> then he gets in the batting cage. And in Brooklyn College, we had the batting cages that dropped from the ceiling. I never saw anything like that. Well, this guy was a magician in that cage. Lefty, righty. I mean, as fast as that machine threw it, he smoked it right back at the machine, line drives, one after another. And then he was dropping bunts. 
I've never seen anything like this in my life, lefty and righty. So that kind of told me I may not be the, you know, the major leaguer that I aspire to be. Right. But I got to tell you, sports brought in that compassion, that desire to be better, to never quit. And as a matter of fact, I went to John Jay High School in Brooklyn, and they had a sign above the gym, and it said, a winner never quits, and a quitter never wins. Mm -hmm. And I've taken that with me my entire life. And that's what your show brings to us. That's what we got to share with our kids. Like the gentleman before you, regardless of what they get into, always be the best you can be. So, Coach, once again, I want to say thank you for your program. And you and your family have a great New Year. Well, thank you so much, Tim. And I, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you called in this morning. Uh, obviously, yeah, I think we all embrace your, your your philosophy. We want our kids to succeed. And obviously, if we are if you're lucky enough that your kid has some athletic ability and shows some desire to want to compete, uh, those are the kind of intangibles that that athletics and sports provide to youngsters as they go through their athletic career. Obviously, there are no guarantees that your kid is going to go on to be a star uh, in college or at the pro level. Uh, That's just like winning the lottery, simple as that. But we do know that those lessons they learn, as Tim just talked about, about competing and the passion and wanting to succeed, those are, the, those are the parts of sports we want our kids to have uh, for their entire life. Um, and again, that, that's, that's all part of this process. And we're trying to question today is, you know, the kids, like you mentioned Lee Mazzilli, obviously a, a great, great major league ball player. You know, the, he, Lee was born and blessed with great physical skill, no question about it, but something also propelled him to the highest levels. The question is, what, what are those skills? Are, is that something you can learn along the way? Or is it something that is sort of genetically sort of programmed into each kid? Uh, and that's, that's, that's what we're talking about this morning. Let's move on. Let's go up to uh, Hopewell Junction. Jimmy, good morning. You're next up on the fan. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Jim. So I used to be in the same, um, you know, same camp as you, that, that it was inherent, that it couldn't be taught. Yeah. But I'm starting to, as I longer and longer that I'm into coaching, um, I'm starting to believe that it can be taught. Okay. Um, um, what I'm seeing is that a lot of kids um, that, and again, it, you know, you have to have that drive like you spoke about. You definitely have to be able to, um, you know, to, to have to have that drive. But I think a lot of kids nowadays don't understand what to do with that drive. So I think as coaches, um, if we can teach players how to set process goals, um, how to, um, you know, build their skills through progressions and make it harder and harder, um, I think that players can learn how to compete. What I see a lot now is what I I like to call a convenient competitor, where kids, kids will like to compete if they know they can win, mm-hmm. but when they're up against a tough opponent, that that competition uh, or that competitive spirit kind of goes away. But I think that we could teach it to them. Well, how, but, but how do you do that? Like I said, by, by making by making it harder and harder as we um, as we're training, and we make the skill we take their skill level and we we push them through tougher and tougher skills until the point where they actually fail mm-hmm. and we build them back up again and then, you know, start the process all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But again, it takes a long time. The player has to want it. Yeah. But to your to your point, what you were saying before is that you know a lot of kids don't have that drive. They won't go out. They won't put the work in. Well, in that case, yes, I I don't think that you can. Yeah. But certain players um, that 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 have a drive in them, if we don't if we don't push them as hard as we can, they're never going to learn how to compete. Yeah, I hear you on that, and and I agree with that. But uh, again, I and uh, Jim, it sounds like we're both on the same page. The question is. Okay, so you got a kid who's who's got athlete athleticism and they're they're enjoying their their God given skills up to a certain level, and then you say, look, if you want to compete and be successful and be a standout against other top athletes, you're going to have to start learning to to work a little harder uh, and and to basically drive yourself more. Um, but that age, the kids should probably have the, the cognitive ability to do that. The question is, are they going to do it? And I, I think this, most of them are going to say, well, I'm pretty happy just being a, a high school standout. I don't really think I'm going to go on to play in college or, or play pro. But some of these athletes do. They do say, yeah, I'm going to go on and, and be the best of the best ever, and I'm going to work hard. Uh, and, and somehow there's some sort of inner drive within me that says i want to compete and and i want to compete at a higher level and um yeah it's 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 um the question is how do you find those kids and how do you then you know why can't other kids who have excellent skills as well why don't they feel the same way interesting stuff jimmy thank you for the call this morning you know and i think that's that's it's always very perplexing for a lot of parents and for coaches who say i got a kid who's so terrific but he or she doesn't want to make pay the you know, take the extra step and work even that much harder to get to the next level. They're just sort of happy where they are now, and that's the way they're put together. That's what what they feel good about. It's it's it can be very very frustrating uh, for coaches and for parents. But on the other hand, you got to sort of respect where the kid's coming from as well. But there's no question. There's no question that the really top professional athletes uh, are the ones who do have this not only physical skill. Uh, which puts them over the top, but also they have this inner drive that pushes them to want to compete. All right, let me let me take another pause. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. We're getting some great calls as always. Uh, when I come back, I'll go right back to the phones. Happy two thousand twenty two, uh, friends. You can always follow me on Twitter at Ask Coach Wolf where you can get a, a sneak preview of what I'm going to cover on next week's show. Now, a couple of quick notes before we get back uh, to the conversation this morning. In yesterday's New York Times, there was a big, big feature piece on Let Them Lead by John Bacon. Now, John was on the Sports Edge a few weeks ago about this this amazing true story of how he had the, well, quite frankly, the foresight and the courage to place responsibility and the desire to win on his high school hockey players. This was a team out in Michigan that had been winless the year before, but then with Bacon and his guidance, they became one of the best high school hockey teams in the nation with just within just three years. Uh, it's an amazing true story. Uh, it's all about leadership and how to make kids uh, accountable and step up and let them lead. Now, John was on uh, Good Morning America uh, before Christmas. They referred to him as the real-life Ted Lasso. Anyhow, Let Them Lead by John Bacon. It's a, it's a real good read for all coaches. I heartily recommend it. And one quick sidebar. Speaking of ice hockey, there was also an article in the New York Times this past week about a very popular website that, quote-unquote, ranks 
youth ice hockey teams in North America. The website is called myhockeyratings.com, and it's just what you think it is. It's a computer-generated ranking of the thousands of kids' hockey teams, uh, ranging in age from as young as nine all the way up through high school into college. Here is my perspective on this. If, high, if head coaches of youth hockey teams under the age of 14 are really paying attention to this nonsense, this suggests to me that their top priority as coaches is winning games at all costs. And following that logic, in order to improve their so-called national ranking, well, they're going to be playing their very best players as much of the time in the games as possible. That means that kids on the second or third line are going to be shortchanged on playing time, and they'll be playing for a coach who is more keen on getting a higher ranking than developing the skills of all of those players. Now, not only is a ranking system dumb and short-sighted, I fear it does significant psychological damage to young players. It's just flat-out stupid and counterproductive. You know, this whole kind of thing reminds me of uh, Rich Cohen's superb book that came out last year called Peewee's about the kind of nuttiness and craziness that accompanies youth hockey and the so-called drive to get to the next level. And, and now, again, myhockeyratings.com in terms of ranking kids when they're 9 and 10 years old. Okay, let's get back to our discussion about whether superior athletes are also born with a predisposition to being super competitive as well. 877-337-6666, that's our number, of course. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Rob Freed out on Long Island. Rob, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Number one, you got my juices flowing. I've been thinking about this for a couple of days now. Yeah. This is an unbelievable topic, one of my favorites, and I'm really, really passionate about it. And the calls have been dynamite starting with Jack and everybody who's added in. Here's my thought on it. Number one, genes definitely determine what your abilities are, okay? And I'll give you some points. I've really wrote down a few things, so if you listen carefully. Uh, number one, I've met David Epstein down in Florida at the USA track and field meeting. Wonderful guy, and he believes basically is genetic. Jack brought up the 10,000-hour rule. Now, going forward, the 10,000-hour rule, there was David Epstein came up with a – he had a golfer who never played the game in his life, and he started from scratch. He spent 10,000 hours with, with great teaching, which is 10 years, by the way. If you figure four hours a day, it comes out to 10 years of training to do this, all right? He became a scratch golfer. His plan was to get to the PGA or the, or the, or the um, senior tour. He never did get there. Yep. He followed him for 10 years, and he basically got to the scratch level. So you can get really, really good with training. A chess master, okay, they spend 10,000 hours to get to that level. Whatever sport you choose, you can get proficient with 10,000 well, hours. But here's I, the thing where I'm going to go. Well, let me, let me just, let me just okay? stop there for a second, Rob. First of all, for our listeners to remind them, David Epstein is the author of the best-selling book, uh, The Sports Gene, which came out, uh, you know, five, six years ago. And what you just talked about is the 10,000-hour rule, which obviously came from Dr. Erickson out of Florida State. But, and that rule is that if you really spend 10,000 hours, you'll become proficient. proficient. Not, necessarily, yeah. not necessarily professional or, or top level, but you'll be good at, you'll master that sport to a certain extent. But again, I, I, don't, I don't know if... 
if that just means that uh, that you still have that... Rick, what, what I'm, basically where I'm going with, it can only take you so far, because here I'm going to continue. Okay. Number one, we are born with three different type of, there are three different body types, okay? This is, this is, this is physiological. There's ectomorph, there's endomorph, mm-hmm. not, to get mm-hmm. to, not to get too technical, but everybody's born with one of those body types. Right. You're also given fast twitch muscles, slow twitch muscles, and there's another muscle type which can be learned. Fast twitch are your, are your power sports, anaerobic sports, sprinters, basketball players, jumping. That's where your fast twitch muscles come from. That's an anaerobic, anaerobic muscle. Then you got the slow twitch with your endurance athletes, and then there's the third muscle type which can be trained over a period of time. Now, getting um, another thought I was thinking about here is if you think about the top athletes, okay, the Currys of the world, his father was a professional basketball player. You're looking at Mahomes, who's, who's also his father was a baseball player. Right. The Negroes, okay, the Bonds. These people are born with the genetics that, that comes from being born with that. You can be taught only to go so far. Now, the Russians, back in, oh, in the Soviet days, they actually took kids and they, and they, they brought them, the kids came to training camps, kind of, and they, the Russians at that point, the Soviets decided by watching these kids as young children what sport they were going to put them. Gymnasts, if they're small, they have to be flexible, okay? There are certain types of body types that you, you know, that they could, you could look at and you could see. You had a gentleman who said he was 5'2". He dreamed about becoming a professional athlete. He might have, maybe he could have got there, even at 5'2", because height in some sports maybe isn't as important. But the point is he realized it really wasn't probably going to be a reality. Ken Williams. He would, now, here's baseball, your favorite sport, and everybody talks about baseball. This is where it's very different. You have to have the hand-eye coordination, and to be able to see that ball, to get to the level of a professional level, Ted Williams is 2015. He was a fighter pilot in Vietnam. I mean, not in Vietnam, in Korea. Korea right. He had 2015 vision. He was able to see the spin of the ball. Any professional baseball player, you're talking about a Thousand baseball players in the world. Right, let me stop you there because yeah, I mean, let's talk about Ted Williams, who who was, who would be irate if he went through a batting practice session where he didn't hit every ball as a line drive. He would just it would anger him. So clearly, yes, he had physical skill. He was six four, left handed, had great power. He had twenty fifteen vision. Those are the physical skills we talk about, the superior physical God given skills. But something drove him beyond that to basically say I want to become I want to be perfect in every at bat and I don't know if that can be taught no and, and, and oh, Rick, that, that's what we're, that's we're going to there's three different levels what I want to bring out here you got the world-class athlete that's genetics as well as they have the gene to push and drive okay. and practice on their own because practice playing the game is easy it's the practice, the thousands of hours that go into right, the practice right, right. to get to the game, to, to participate in the actual three-hour game, whatever sport we're talking about. Then you've got the great athlete. The great athlete has genetics as well as, and I told you about the D1, D2, D3 college athlete. They yeah. have the genes, but they also have, they might not be at the top, top professional level, but they, but, but they, they have some genes, and they have, you know, as, as well as the, the, the drive. And then you've got the good athlete who can be taught to a certain extent. But to get to the world-class professional level, my personal opinion, I think other uh, scientists, it is genetic. That's why there's only a 1,000 baseball players that at any given time, there are 5,000 professional athletes. If you take all the sports, 
uh, Rick, every sport right now, professional sports, 5,000 athletes in the uh, world. I hear you. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we're talking about the uber elite across the po- top there, and I agree with you. Uh, Rob, let me, let me take some more of the calls here, but I, uh, you make some great points as always because, yeah, this is – we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of all this. And, um, yeah, I, as I said, I think it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating topic to anybody who follows sports. As we do, uh, at some point has to come and ask these kind of questions. Rob, thank thank you again. Let me uh, let me move on. Let's go to uh, to David up in Greenwich. Uh, David, good morning. You're on the fan. How are you today? Good. How are you, David? I'm well, thank you. Um, I actually believe that there is a three simple steps to it. And I sent you an email on this. It's physiological, it's opportunity, and it's work. Okay. One, you will. If you have one, you will fail. If you have two. You will fail if you have three of half a chance. Okay. But as far as the as far as the mental aspect of it, yes. If if our children aren't given expectations to perform properly and take it seriously right from an early age, it's very difficult for them to make that transition when they go from middle school to high school. Oh, I agree with that. That. Trans- that transition from middle school to high school is a very very, and it's quite clear what the sign is. When they go from middle school where they're finally able to start lifting and start doing a little bit more work, uh-huh. once they get to that high school level, they have to volunteer themselves to walk the one mile to the gym, the half a mile to the practice facility, meet their coach at 6.30 in the morning to do the work. That's where the competitive spirit comes in. And I will defer 100% of the time to the coach. If they have a coach when they are in the middle school, high school level, who they truly believe in, and they, and they in turn believe in them, you will find that the drive and the motivation and the desire to win is created as much from home life, but as much, much more in coaches. And one of our challenges these days is we have so many coaches that are not pro-child all the time, 24-7. Yeah, David, you touched upon another aspect of this, which I'm glad you did, and, and I agree, and I'll check out your email as well and respond to you. I, I And thank you for your, your call this morning. Um, yeah, I, I do think a part of this is that, and he mentioned, he mentioned middle school to high school. Yes, kids grew up obviously looking for parental approval. We know that, and that's a good thing. But somewhere along the line, if they're playing sports, if they find that outside coach, which David was talking about, that third party who is not a family member, who begins to basically make it a little more competitive, uh, you know, raises up the, the stakes a bit more, a few notches for the kid, but also tells the kid, you, know, you can do this, you can get to that next level if you really want to pay the price. That's what the kid is going to begin to say, yeah, maybe this other person outside my family is going to basically get me to the next level. And that's pure coaching. Um, yeah, and we all know uh, over our careers, we all played for some average coaches. We played for some poor coaches, but we also played hopefully for some really good coaches who do make a difference in our, our experiences and our lives and, and in terms of our athletic uh, accomplishments. That is crucial to get to the next level. And I'll guarantee you, if you look at all these great, great athletes, somewhere along the line, they play for a terrific coach, primarily uh, in the middle school to the high school level. Uh, let's go quickly. Our time is tight. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Eric and Carl Place. Eric, good morning. You're on the fan. Eric, are you there? Okay, let's go to, let's go to Hank in Ridgefield Park. Hank, are you there? Hank, are you there? 
No, okay, okay. Well, uh, that's okay. I know we're running out of time here, but I just want to recap this anyhow. Uh, the fact of the matter is, as we've discussed, there's a real, the, the real difference, in my mind at least, in terms of those athletes who obviously come out and uh, they, 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 they love sports, they're drawn to it, they, they have physical skills, which again, that the baseline is that they are from, that's God-given gifts. But as we've tried to discuss this morning, the real question is, what then gets those athletes to go to the next level? What pushes them from within to want to go out and spend those countless hours, perhaps on their own, to develop and polish and advance their games to become one of those uber athletes? That's the critical question. And there have been books about this, but nobody really has come up with any factual uh, scientific research to prove one thing or the other. It's still at this point just part of the, the mystery and the fun of being involved in competitive athletics. Okay, that's going to do it for me and this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks to the Zoom man, Ed Arzuman, this morning. Uh, please stick around for the NFL preview. That's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.